this morning is my, one of my favorite people. I love Mike Buckley. I've known him for years now. I love his heart. He's got a great story, him and his wife, Donna. He pastored in the area. Now he runs a missions organization called Hope 21, where they give water filters to, to community. He'll share more about that, but communities uh, mainly in South America that, that help. Is that right, Mike? You can tell them when you come. Would you give a warm welcome, Clover Hill Spark welcome, to Mike and Donna Buckley as they come to share God's Word? Yeah, this is like deja vu, like, like Groundhog Day. We're back. I, I know some, I, y'all know what goes on, but I think this is how you mess with the heads of your guest speakers. Yeah. And we were talking about that and says, Pastor Stan does this every week until he gets my age. And then there'll be another solution. Come on, somebody. I, man, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Um, now this is now the third service. So maybe we'll get it right this time. But um, it, I'm really, really excited to be here. It's been a while. I know Pastor Stan going way back to when he was a kid. Still looks like a kid. But he, when he was really a kid, he's really an old man in a kid's body. And so, but we, um, we are so glad to be here. Um, as Pastor said, uh, Pastor said, I pastored for many, many, many years, 30 years actually. And for the last four years, we're doing a ministry called Hope 21. In the foyer, there's a table. You may have seen it uh, milling around out there, and you saw this bucket of brown water. That's swamp water from Dinwiddie. That's where we're from. And I brought you some swamp water. Yes. And guess what? Pastor tried some in the first service, and he's still standing upright. And, um, you know, those are pretty cool. I'm not going to go into all the details from this platform, but uh, I'll be hanging out at that table for a few minutes after service. You can come and get some of our brochures and all that stuff, and you can get some swamp water. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, a bit of disclaimer in there. You don't have to try any. My wife, she's, she, she loves me. I know she loves me. I think she's going to tell you that just in a few minutes. But she has never tried any. And I say, honey, we go to all these churches. We're in just about a church every weekend, and we have to, we got to do this by faith. And she goes, honey, it takes more faith to take your word for it than it does to try that swamp water. So um, if you don't want to try it, just take my word for it. And your pastor's word for it now, he's still feeling pretty good. So um, that's what we do with Hope 21. I'll explain a little bit about the 21 as we get into our story. Really, really excited to be here. This is my wife, Donna. Hi, everyone. I know it's 99.9% effective, but there's just something about that visual, that, that bucket of dirty water. But that's what, the way that people live all around the world, and that's right. it's amazing that they do that. Um, we are. We are so glad to be here t- this morning. The praise and worship has been amazing. Yeah, I was already it. wrecked Man. in the first service. Thank you so much just for praising the Lord. and. Praising our King because he deserves every single breath that we have. And I I shared in the first service and in the second, and and it's because it's just so much in me this morning. I am so in love with the Lord. Every fiber of my being loves him. And he always has loved me, and I know that. But lately, you know, it's just been something extra sparkly. And um, he wakes me up in the middle of the night, and I just feel so overwhelmed by him. I feel him singing over me. I have to praise and worship him, and then I just fall back asleep. But I love him so much, and I, I love this man. This man and I have been married for 38 years, 
and he is hey. uh, he's a rock. He's hey, amazing. Hey. And I, I'm blessed to have him in my life. I'm so blessed that uh, we've had that time together and um, that we've been able to raise our sons, John and Ben and Dylan, on our little farm in Dinwiddie, Virginia. We live about an hour south. We've raised them, and we've, we raise about 100, I don't know, however many uh, rescue dogs because, you know, it never pays to send Mike to the pound. He finds his way there, and he brings home one or two every time, and sometimes they're pregnant with puppies and So anyways, we've lived our life in a very full, blessed way on our farm, but we have been through some stuff. And so we're here this morning to share with you our summer story, which began in the fall of 1997. It was our brother-in-law, Buff. He was uh, just a really lovely, lovely man that passed away from lung cancer following about a um, year-long illness. And um, we just were so devastated by his loss, by losing him. We would come together every single weekend as a family and did for years just to gather around our family table. And every Sunday we had dinner together. We shared life together. And it was just all 10 of us there. And when, when he passed away, it was so hard to look at his empty seat and know that he was gone. And uh, we grieved for him, but we also were very reassured that he, you know, was a man of God and that he was resting with the Savior and that he was no longer suffering in pain. And so, you know, as the months passed after his passing, we were in a church service. I remember very vividly being in a church service revival in the spring. And I was laying on the floor just pouring out all this grief and sorrow to the Lord. And I felt him just comforting me and washing over me with his comfort And as I looked up, as I was sort of got up and sat in the chair, I looked across the stage, and my son John was sitting up on the altar, cross-legged, praying. And our eyes met, and he got up and walked over to me and wrapped his big, long arms around me. And he said, Mama, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. And I believed him in that moment. I did. But just in a very few short months, our world got turned upside down. It was a beautiful Wednesday morning in the middle of August, He had gone to visit, our son John had gone to visit the home of his best friend to check on their dog. The family was on vacation, and John had made a commitment to check on their Dalmatian patch. And when he got there, his friend had returned home from the vacation a little early to attend his college orientation. And, you know, like guys are, they hooked up, and they got together, and and they wanted to hang out together. So he called his dad, and he asked for permission to spend the night, and Mike gave it to him. They planned to just get some Chinese takeout and spend the night playing video games and watching videos. And I think Mike called them a little bit later in the the evening, actually, before we went to bed. And and they were all tucked in. They were good. They were were fine. Everything was great. But in the early hours of the morning, uh, an electrical fire broke out in the house and just took over the house. And we got a call early in the morning at daybreak. It was still dark out. And our friend told us, you know, about the fire. And we asked her, where's our son? And she just, she couldn't tell us in the moment. So we jumped in the car and we started driving down the road. And about halfway there, down the interstate, I remember looking over a battlefield to the, to the, to the right of me. And, and right in that moment, the sun was coming up. And the, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he said, John is no longer with you. And my heart just broke. I began to cry just tears came down my face. I just kept looking out that window. I didn't want my husband to know what I was sensing in my spirit. And we got to that house and got out and ran past the yellow ticker, st- the yellow tape that they put around the scene and 
the end of the road. And when we rounded the corner, there was a house just fully engulfed in flames with the firefighters fighting it. And our son's car was parked right there in the front. And it didn't take long. The fire chief and the chaplain approached us, and they told us that our son had perished in the fire. Thankfully, his best friend was able to get out of the second-story window. But our John was gone. And he was just three days shy of becoming um, 17 years old. It was three days from his 17th birthday. And uh, nothing really can prepare you for the loss of a child. There's nothing. We walked away from the fire that morning, and I just, like, just doubled over, feeling just something being torn from my body. And as the days went on, Mike and I, we just didn't know how to think. We didn't know how to act. We didn't know what to say, what to feel. We're just numb. And um, the grief and the sorrow we felt was just so overwhelming that uh, it just battered. It was like a battering ram against you spiritually, emotionally, and physically every single day. And as time went on, we found ourselves individually and as a family really on a journey that we did not know that we were going to take because very shortly after John's death, we lost then seven more members of our immediate family. We lost our dads, we lost our grandmas, we lost all of our siblings but one. And um, it was a lot. We also, um, we lost a very, very close pastor, mentor, friend who had, um, had preached, you know, his dad's funeral that day and had gone home and fell asleep and an hour later he was gone. And we lost a young man who came into our home after our, our son's death that we mentored and, and kind of raised, you know, through his senior year, who had lost his father. So we were, we were very, very overwhelmed by death at this point. All of this happened very, very quickly. Um, I think we might have a slide today that shows what we call our 11 in heaven. And um, there they are, our son's in the middle. He's a handsome one. But uh, most of their deaths were due to accidents and illnesses. One was a homicide. My brother Mark was murdered in the jungles of Panama. He was poisoned which is a very common way of murdering somebody in that country. And um, about just a few months before it happened, he told me that someone had taken a contract out on his life. But it just seemed like just such a bizarre thing for him to say to me. I I, I had a really hard time wrapping my brain around it and believing it, but then it happened. And uh, we just will never know, this side of heaven, really what happened in that place with him. Um, Some of our... Loved ones obviously were in their elder years, but most of them were very young, in their early 30s, 40s, and they had so much living more to do. The layers of grief that we experienced were so difficult and they were so complex to comprehend that it was very hard to even explain it to those that were around us, to our friends, to our fam, to the you know people in our church family, to to our coworkers. We really clung to one another and we clung to the Lord. And we really, really reminded each other of his word, what God's word said to us, what his promises said to us. God's word it took on new meaning to us as the landscape in our lives changed very drastically in many different ways. Death has truly a way of reshaping our thinking about ourself, about life, and about the way that we live our life. You know, we're um, sharing our story, um, and part of sharing our story. It's a little transparent. Sometimes it can be a little raw, even all these years later. Um, it brings some emotion. So if we get a little teared up, it's okay. Just, uh, just be patient with us and, and we'll get through it. But um, I just, um, 
you know, the scripture that we want to share, the reason why it's so important, because we're, you know, we're talking about being an overcomer. And it's really important. How many of all know there's something to overcome? This life, we have to overcome. How many of all know that, that our, our faith gets tested? How many of all know that there's difficulties and hardships? Some of you are going through it right now. And you're, you're, you're up against it or you're wrestling or you're fighting. And if you aren't, you will. I'm sorry to give you some bad news, but if you aren't, you will. And if you have, you probably will again. For us, it was multiple deaths. When you saw those pictures up there, those were <coughs> excuse me, 11 people. And that happened in a fairly short period of time. It happened over about uh, five years, but there was a two-year period where we lost seven of those, one almost right after the other every few months. And it was some big stuff, and it's part of our story. So what we share with you today, it is our hope that these insights will bring you encouragement, that you will can take part of our story, and you can add it to your story in some way and draw from it, because everybody here has a story to tell. Everybody has, and it's important that you tell it. And we're going to be sharing a little bit about that. The scripture verse that we want to use is found in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. And I really like the way the Amplified Bible puts it because, once again, it's talking about overcoming. It says, and they overcame and they conquered him, him being the enemy of our soul. How many of y'all know we have an enemy of our soul? He wants to kill, steal, discourage. He wants to distract you. He wants to disrupt you. He wants to take you off, out, in any way that he can. And this is how we overcome him. And this is how we can conquer him because of the blood of the Lamb. Everybody say the blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb. I mean, that's Jesus. I want to tell you, Jesus is everything that he says he is. He's the all in all. He's almighty. And he loved us so much that the king became a lamb, that the lion became a lamb. And he shed his blood for us so that he could purchase our salvation. And so he is the one who we can trust in. He is the one that we do. And so we overcome by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Your testimony is your story. And by the word of your testimony, for they did not love their life and renounce their faith, even unto death. That's our key scripture this morning, that we would not love our life to death. Well, as Mike said, we've been journeying on this grief journey for about 19 years now. And as Mike, you know, alluded, we've learned a few things along the way about ourselves and about dealing with loss. For the sake of time this morning, though, we have chosen really what has helped us the most in being an overcomer. And for me, the struggle, the greatest struggle in overcoming is what I refer to as the trust test. And each one of our loved ones, they were really, truly such amazing people, and they love the Lord. And I wish I had time to just really fully tell you all of their stories, but um, God moved in their lives in such a powerful way. And their loss was so, so great in our life. It was not easy to accept that they were gone. And, you know, just like a video game and, and along the journey of the grief that we felt, there were, there were lots of obstacles that popped up along the way. There was anger and there was guilt and there was blame and there was, you know, there was um, fear, fear, fear of everything. In some ways, fear that, you know, when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next thing going to happen to us? Um, all this was really mingled with an intense amount of sadness. And I struggled. I struggled with many questions. I struggled with my faith. I, I asked the question, you know, whatever I've believed all of my life, is it really true? Um, I struggled and asked the Lord a million times why, the why question. 
I asked the Lord, where, where were you? Were you in the middle of this? Where were you when all this was going on? And I really wondered if there was something that I had done in my life that had brought about these losses. I think those kinds of questions are questions that probably everybody might, you know, face or may ask, you know, when they too can experience or do experience loss or, or grief or separation. But about a week after John's death, a pastor and his wife, who had also lost a child, came to visit us in our home. And they, they, we invited them to come to tell their story because, frankly, we just wanted to know how we were going to survive. We just didn't know how we were going to survive. And they came, and they graciously answered all of our questions. And as they were leaving the house, the pastor's wife really pulled me close, and she whispered in to me, and she said, you need to know this. You need to protect yourself and your marriage as you walk through this. And uh, she just looked at me, and, and all of a sudden, just right there, it was just so clear. Um, I became very aware of how vulnerable we were in the midst of sorrow and grief. We were very vulnerable to the enemy of our soul. Don't you know that he'll take every opportunity, as Mike already said, to lie, steal, kill, and destroy us in your weakest moments? He'll do it. And so for me, the big, the big thing, the thing that overcome, overcoming centered on was that big question, will you trust me with this? This is a question that I heard the Lord ask me each and every time. Will you trust me with this? Every single loss, every single time, every time I felt like I was losing my way and the, the crazy journey that we were taking, will you trust me with them? And every time I had to say yes, I had to say yes. Sometimes that yes answer came easier than other times, but every time that I surrendered those loved ones back to him, that situation back to him, the God who promises me, the God who brings me promises, the God who comforts me, all of his provisions, they followed after me. And it's true what God's word says when he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I can honestly tell you this morning that when we are tested, if we put our trust and our hope in him, in the Lord, he will be faithful to respond to us. He is faithful. He knows our hearts. He knows our circumstances. He sees every tear that we cry. He's a trustworthy God. He's a trustworthy God. He's in the middle of all of our why questions. He's in the middle of all our wonder. He's trustworthy, and he's bigger than we can even begin to understand, and he loves every one of us more than we'll ever know. Amen. You know, he's trustworthy. You know, trusting the Lord is really about, that's what faith is all about. We have faith. We trust in the Lord. We trust that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. We trust that. And, you know, what we share with you today, I pastored all those years, and we do a lot of counseling and pastoring, and, and you know, we, we encourage people, and we pray with people, and we give them scripture verses, and, you know, we tell them it's going to be okay, and we tell them to have faith, and sometimes that's all we can really tell them is just, look, sometimes you just got to have faith. And, and, and that may seem kind of light, but, but you know, when you walk through it, when your faith is tested, the test really is, do we trust God with this? Do we trust God with our life? Do we trust God with the good stuff? And do we trust God with even the bad stuff that happens in our life? And so, you know, what we share with you today is not just a theory, but it really is a truth that has been tested by fire. And so we share it with you from our heart. You know, Donna talked about trust and it really didn't take long for, for trust to be tested. Uh, you know, when, when a person makes a decision to follow Christ, how many of y'all know it's going to be tested pretty quick? 
How many of y'all know when, you, when God reveals something to you, maybe he give, calls you into ministry, gives you a vision, or, or he, he gives you a revelation, you know, it gets tested right away. In some ways, that, that testing is very, very important in our life. It, it proves us. It, it makes us better. It makes us stronger. And so, you know, the, te- the, the, the trust that, that we speak of today, it gets tested. And it got tested many, many times. And it didn't really take long. You know, our son passed away on a Thursday. And when we left that, the, the scene of that fire, we, we had kind of rallied together. We had some people praying for us. We had a chaplain praying for us. I had a pastor friend who had lost his son. He came over, and him and his wife, they, they ministered to us. And our, our faith was bolstered a little bit. But you know what? Just like anything else, it's one thing to do something corporately and publicly. But when you're alone or when you're just in a small group, when the reality began to set in, and the reality for us set in when we went um, you know, to the funeral home the next day, and when we were at the funeral funeral home. Um, I asked my mom and dad to go with me. My dad was, you know, I mean, he was, he was my, he was my guy, man. My dad was, was a man's man. He, he was, a, he had four master's degree as a, as a psychology major. Um, he was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, two tours in Vietnam. Uh, but the biggest thing about my dad is my dad had a lot of faith. My dad was a man of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I always got, sought advice for him, even when I was his pastor. Um, I used to, you know, I used to say, Dad, I'm really not your pastor, man. I don't, this is weird. And I'd talk with him, and he would give me counsel and advice. And so I, I wanted him to come along. And so when we went there and we were doing the arrangements, when it was time to go downstairs, and what that meant for us there was that we were to go downstairs and we were to pick the casket out for our son. And I remember um, looking, and my dad still sat there, and my mom still sat there, and I said, are you coming? And my dad goes, I just can't. He goes, I, I just can't go, and I can't do this. And I realized that my dad was, was, he was a broken man. My dad, he loved his grandboys. At that time, he had four grandboys. And, you know, our son was the oldest. He was the first grandson. And one of the hardest things that I had to do, I remember one of the hardest phone calls I ever had to make uh, when we found out our son died is I had to call my dad. He was away on business, and I had to call him, and I had to tell him. I said, Dad, um, our son is dead. Your son, my son is dead. John is dead. And I remember my dad saying, I know this can't be. And he had to drive back and... And I just remember how broken he was. And when I was going down, when we were going down those stairs into that the room to pick those caskets out, man, I was thinking, man, this is this is messed up. We should be picking out colleges, and here we are picking out caskets. And it just dawned on me that I was really going to have to lean on 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 the Lord. We were going to have to trust in God um, because. You know, sometimes we can't trust in people. Sometimes we can't. You know what? And you can't even trust in yourself. Well, you know, when bad things happen, it messes with you. It messes with your mind. And and we couldn't even trust ourselves, but we had to trust in the Lord. And so, you know, when we went down there and we did that, I remember this question. I asked the Lord this question. God, um, are you who you say you are? Are you really? Lord, if if you are, then then we can do this. If you are the King of kings and the Lord is Lord, if you are in control, if you are all who you say you are, then we can do this. And if you can do everything that you say you can do, Lord, we'll trust you and we'll believe you and we'll, we'll do that. And I also became very aware that we were being watched. I was very aware that, um, you know, people were watching us to how we would respond. Um, and, you know, if our stories are going to be eternal stories, and I want my story, and I, I think all of us need and should want our stories to be eternal we want them to last more than just a moment or just for now, even though they have some value now. But we want them to make an internal impact. If our stories are going to be internal, then we must trust in the eternal one, 
the one who gives life and life more abundantly, the one who is the promise maker and the promise keeper, the one who can do all things above what we can even ask or even imagine or think, the one who is not slack concerning any of his promises, the one that we can trust with our soul because he loves us like no other. He was the Lamb of God that shed his blood for us. He is the one that said, I love you even when you're unlovable. He is the one that can do all things. There's nothing that he can't do. There's nothing impossible with him. We can trust him. And we have to learn, you know, in our stories, if we're going to have a godly eternal story, we got to learn to trust him. And it is not just a statement that you make. It is a practice. It is something that you go through every day. It is a walk of faith. And so the, the, we had to learn to trust him. And so the point that I want to make, Donna brought out the point of, of the trust test. But, I, you know, for me, um, it's we are stewards of our story. We all have a story. You got a story, I got a story, we all got a story. And, but we have a responsibility for those stories. When we trust God, he trusts us with our story. God trusted us with this story. I, don't, I, I wish it hadn't happened. I, I, wish we didn't, I wish we could tell a different story. But because it happened, God trusts us that we would do something with it, not, not, not faint, not, not fall back, not, not uh, deny him, not reject him, not be so angry and so bitter that we can't function, but, and, and, but to have faith and to trust in him, and we have to be good stewards of that story. Three days after our son died, um, we were, it was time for church. I pastored, the, I planted and pastored the church uh, at that time. And on that Sunday, as that Sunday was coming, I knew that um, I had to get up and I had to deliver a message. And we could have brought somebody in, but I felt a responsibility. I felt that it was important that I address people that looked up to his pastors. You see, I had preached to them. I had counseled them. I had told them that God is good and that God is great and that God is all that he says that he is. I had preached it with passion and with belief and with faith. And so now that we're in this position, I know that people were there. I know we had family members, people that were looking uh, to us, and it was important that I get up in front of them. And I remember um, standing up in front of them, and I, this is what I said to them. I said, I want you guys to know that everything that I've ever preached, everything is still true. And I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. But with God's help, I know that we will. And we need for you to pray for us. And our family came down and we knelt at that altar. And we let that church family come around us. And we let them pray for us. I think it was important that we uh, would, would be and answer that question. If they can talk it, but can they walk it? You see, we can talk it. It is easy to talk when, when things are going well. It's easy to talk when everything's going the way that it's supposed to. When there's money in the bank or the marriage is great or the job is great or your health is good. It's easy to give him praise. It's easy to come together corporately and, and, and to rub off on one another. And we should do that. And, and we should stir up the gifts of God that are in us and the gifts that are in each other. But I will tell you, when it comes down to it, when you're walking out your faith, it's really, really important that we understand that we're a steward of that faith, that we are, it's, it, 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 we must uh, trust God. We must walk by faith and not by sight. You know, Paul told young Timothy, a young preacher, he told him this. He said, listen, he said, it's important, very important that you be an example to the people. You see, people are watching us. People are watching you. People are watching me and what we do and how we act and what we say 
really, really matters. And so he told young Timothy not only that, but he told him to be instant in season and out. Be good, be, be a good leader when it's good and be a good leader when it's bad. Be a good preacher when everything's going well, but be a good preacher when everything's not going so well. Live out your faith. And uh, so the Bible tells us not to live by, to walk by faith. Uh, I mean, to walk by faith and not by sights or not by senses. And I want to talk about the importance of shaping your story. Because we have influence here. Shaping your story, how you tell your story matters. And it might even matter for eternity to someone else. How you tell your story. And, and we have this freedom. God has given us, um, you know, free will. You know, Jesus did some incredible things for us. He died for us. He chose us. He offers the gift of grace and the gift of salvation to us. But we have a free will either to accept it or to not. We can, we can, we, we can choose uh, to allow God to choose us. And so um, we have this free will. Well, part of that free will is when things happen to us in our story, we have the opportunity to help direct our story and how it's going to go. We have a say in it. And I, I, I was aware of that, and we were aware of that, that how we responded was really, really important. And what we told people with our mouth about our story. Now, we had some close confidants, and we had each other together, and we could share, you know, our frustrations and our anger sometimes. And, and we had some close people. We got some counseling that we could really vent and do those things. But we, it was important that when we shared our story with people that were looking to us, that we would share the story, one of faith, one of hope, one of, one of trust, one of believing in eternity and believing in eternal life. And those things were really, really important and they mattered. And so I would say that it's important that we choose how we direct our story and don't let anyone dictate how your story goes. Because a lot of well-meaning people will do that. They'll say, well, this is how you should feel, and this is what you should do, and this is what you should say. And, it, you know, we have this ability to have some control there. And I, I, I think it's really important that we choose life. I think it's important that we choose to believe. I think it's important that we choose that, um, that we're going to trust in God and that we live it out and that we walk it out. I had people, I had my son watching me. My son was 13 when he lost his brother. And... You know, he was looking to, for stability. He was looking for somebody that wasn't going to be angry. He wasn't looking to somebody that wasn't going to be bitter. He was looking to somebody who, who wasn't going to fall apart. He was looking to somebody who was going to have faith and withdraw. And he wasn't the only one. We were looking to each other. Um, our friends were looking at us. Our church members were looking at us. And so it was really important that we learn how to shape our story. And it's also important that we share our story. We share our story. You know, you have a story this morning. And it's important that you share it. It is designed for you to share. Um, for us, I was the coach of my son's basketball team. I had the privilege of coaching him in high school. And his teammates, they were, they were needing to be led. And so we, we made this decision. We got together with them and we met with them. And we say, what do we want to do with this? How do we want to do it? And we remember, I remember us getting together and we were talking about... Um, doing a memorial tournament. We raised funds in lieu of flowers. People would make donations to um, the John Buckley Memorial Fund, and we were able to, to remodel the gymnasium, and we were able to put in new basketball goals. Uh, they took uh, his number 21, and they retired his jersey, and they uh, put it up on the wall, and, and we did some special things. And then when we had uh, the basketball season began, we wanted to kick off with a memorial basketball tournament. And in this tournament... Um, we raised money, and the money went to help uh, 
students who felt uh, led to go to Bible college with micro scholarships. So we were taking a story, we were finding a way to share our story, of finding a way to give God glory from our life. And it was also encouraging to people and blessing people, taking something, uh, our story, and make, giving God glory with it. And so that's what we did. We helped um, people do this. And so we did that. And what started off was just going to be one year, ended up being 10 years. And we raised over $20,000 sent um, students to Bible school. And it was really important. And after 10 years, it kind of run its course. And so we started this ministry called Hope 21 Ministries. And you see, this 21 becomes a story starter. We um, were able to you know, tell people, when people say, well, what's the 21 stand for? It is a story starter. We're able to go right into our story and to share our testimony. And it also goes, we, we help people around the world in, in uh, blessing people and encouraging people, taking that which could have um, stayed tragic and could have stayed discouraging, and we try to do something encouraging and wonderful and powerful with it. Can you give me an Amen. You see, it's important that we tell our story. It's important that you tell your story. Find the platform and you tell your story. Find a platform to tell your story. Share it. It's important. No matter where it is, no matter what it, what, how good or bad it's been, share it. Tell it. Uh, because in the telling of that, then it shows that we're trusting God and we're glorifying God. And how many of y'all know when Jesus is lifted up, it begins to draw people? Amen. When Jesus is honored, he begins to honor those. When Jesus is, is glorified, then he begins to glorify those people around him. And your stories become important stories that, that, that expedite the gospel. And it's really, really important. And so in closing, in closing, I want to talk about God being the finisher of our faith. One of the things that's real is death. And death comes to us all. We will all die. And when we die, we will stand before God and we'll give an account for our life. And I don't know how your story is going to end, but I know how God wants it to end. He wants it to end with, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know, I got a lot of questions for the Lord. You know, and one day when I die and I stand before God, I want to hear these words from the Lord. I want him to say, well done. Thy good and faithful servant. I want to say you kept the faith. You ran your race. You, 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 you finished the course. You have, you've run well. I don't want to be the finisher of my faith. God authored it. What God began, he wants to finish. It is, it is God's plan to finish your story. It is his purpose to finish what he started in you. And sometimes people want to finish their own story. And I will tell you, when you finish your own story, it doesn't end well. But when God, what God finishes always turns out great. What God wraps up, what God's will is for you, is that it ends well. And God wants to finish our story. And how do you let God finish your story? You surrender to him. You say, oh God, I trust in you. I trust you, God. Lord, I, I hope I've done well with the life you've given me. I hope I've been a good steward of not just the good things, but also the bad things. Lord, I hope that I've pleased you in 
like my heavenly father, my Abba father that you are. This morning I, I wanted to hear that. You know what I didn't want to hear? I didn't want to be angry or bitter. I didn't want to be the type of person that was unfaithful, not loyal. I wanted to be someone that the Lord would be proud of. I think the truth is we all want to be that. We all need and should want to hear those words. And I don't know where you're at in your story. I don't know, maybe you've had a life that maybe it's all gone great. Nothing, nothing really bad has ever happened. That's great. But maybe you're in the midst of a struggle. Maybe you're in the midst of a challenge. Maybe your story's not turned out like you wanted it to. But God is not done yet. And he wants to, he wants to minister to you. He wants to help you. He wants you to finish well, to finish strong. And that may seem like a long ways away. But one day, we're going to stand and we're going to give an account. So as we close this morning, as I pray for you this morning, if we could just close our eyes. This morning... God is our helper. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We don't always feel him. We don't always sense him. And we don't always see him. But God is ever present. And he's here this morning. And you might have a challenge that seems bigger than you. But God will lead you to the rock that is higher than you. You might be dealing with a hurt or an issue or a struggle that is overwhelming. But God has declared you an overcomer. This morning, there's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too difficult. There's not a sin that he cannot forgive. There's not a problem that he cannot solve. There's not a hurt that he cannot heal. He is all that he says he is. And he will do everything that he says he will do if we trust in him. If you need the Lord to touch you, to minister to you, to help you in any way, as I turn this over to Pastor Stan, I know there's people that will pray for you. There's people that will minister to you. There are people that will help you. But most importantly, God will help you. And God will bless you.